I'm Desi Brown, and that's code for I actually live in a zoo with um, how many dogs? 20 dogs and 30 kids and um, all that. Um, I'm just going to start us off in prayer uh, because what Allison said, I mean, that's really sweet to hear that, and it's music to my ears. I'd want to be known for how much I follow and pursue the Lord, but that's not of my own doing. I'd like to take pride in that and say, I have arrived or I've reached this fabulous plane on my own, or I haven't even arrived, which is, that would be the, the lie right there. Um, but it truly is the Lord. So now let's bring it back to the Lord. God, I thank you so much um, for today and the opportunity uh, to just share what a blessing children really can be, Lord God, but you also know the difficulty of it as you are the father of each and every one of us, God, and you endure so much of our grumbling and our complaining in the midst of blessing, God, Um, and you are so patient and you are so kind and ever-loving and Um, just faithful, God. And I pray that these women would see that today more than anything of how good you are, Lord, and that you hold all things together in your hand, God. And I thank you that you didn't hold this talk together in your hand, but I pray that this would be about you and not about me um, and all about you. So we thank you. I pray for the women that are here today, um, just who had a rough start. I heard several women say, today was a beat down. There are some of us in this room that are have heartaches and wounds. Some of us who are just like, yes, I'm going to embrace the blessing of childcare downstairs. Um, I know they are. I am too, Lord. Um, and there's some of us just who have, who are weary and their hearts are heavy, God. Um, and so I pray that you would be with these women today, come alongside them today and remind them that you are with us every step of the way. You're with us on those great ice cream trips with our kids when the sun is shining down on us and everybody is happy and smiling. And you're with us on the way to the car as they're having a meltdown and screaming because they want another ice cream cone. God, you're with us in the good and the bad, Lord, and I'm so thankful for that. And so I pray that you would just be here today, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm Desi Brown. I've been married to that amazing man back there for 10 years now. And we do indeed have six children. Um, All here, up here soon, will be a picture of our awesome kids. Isn't that so, like, Pinterest-worthy or Facebook-ready? I I think I did tweet it and put it on Pinterest. This was for Easter. Um, But what you don't realize here is that I did shame and guilt my children in order to get that picture. I told them about all that mommy does for them, and all I ask for them is to have a good picture once a year, and that is a true story. So... There is no shame and guilt in that. So, and obviously, uh, well, a little bit didn't get the picture. So I think I might have bribed them with some Easter candy, too, as well. Um, but I look at that picture, and it is so funny to me. And I, I can almost have, like, an out-of-body experience and see myself with my troops going to Costco, and we see all the crazy faces of, oh, my goodness, does that woman have all those kids? Which is strange to me. We're at Costco. Of course I have all these kids. We need to go to Costco because I have all these kids. But obviously, that is just some freakish, like, people don't put the two together just because Costco is awesome and there's a $1.50 hot dog with a drink. And that's why people really go to Costco and not because of all the kids. But I understand what those looks are about. I, I get it. I think 10 years ago when we first got married, this, our, our kids, that was not my plan or my idea. Um, that sounded horrible to me. And I would have looked at myself and thought, that poor, poor woman, she's either abused by her husband or she's crazy. 
So I get it. And if you're there, uh, girls, I, I completely, uh, I understand. And this has been a journey and a transformation process. And it has been a sanctification process. So um, know and hear me. I am not there. And in fact, um, as people heard about my topic, they're like, hey, you're going to have a great month with your kids. And I was thinking, no, I really, I'm really enjoying my kids right now. I'm in a really sweet spot and a really sweet season. And then I should have shut my mouth because then I entered a season where it was crazy. We were busy and there was lots going on with Easter and it was stressful. And I was like, I really don't like these minions. I really want to send every single one of them to boarding school. So hear me. This is not about 100% all the time. Just, oh, I just love my kids as they're throwing fits on the floor. But it is overall when you're struggling and having a hard spot, instead of having days and weeks and months and years of really struggling through enjoying your kids that you would take hold and take captive and just take a step back and say, God, this really is a blessing and the difficulty and in the fun times and all of it combined and what it does to my marriage, there can be good in this and that you won't, the days won't pass you by and you miss it. And they're off to college. Our mentor moms, uh, Millie Hill has one that has gone to college. So I've been so sweet to be able to be around these women and watch their babies grow up. Her daughter Gracie was maybe the age of my son Luke and now she's in middle school. I'm just like, God, how did the time go by so fast? And I don't want that to happen to you, to look at your 18-year-old son or daughter one day and say, God, I missed it. I had opportunity right here in my own home And I missed it because I was focused on the wood and the earthenware. I did not invest in things that were of gold and silver. I wasted it. So hopefully, this will just be a reminder. And I have to remind myself every day. So embracing the blessing. What is the blessing? Children are a blessing. It's even in the Bible. So sometimes I have to pull this out and remember that when all of them are melting down. And I have to go back to Psalm 127, verse 3, and remember that children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a blessing. Offspring, a reward from him. They are a reward from him. They are a blessing from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And the first half is beautiful too. We'll kind of get to that. Um, But children are a blessing and they are a reward. Um, And I think if we really think about parenting and the opportunity that we have, we can go back. I mean, I had such a hard time preparing for this because every time I looked at a verse, I was like, this, this is what we need to camp out on today. No, 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 no. Now this one is so great. So I had a hard time figuring out where God do you want us to settle? And the thing is, if you want to find joy and satisfaction in parenting, you need to pick this thing up and you need to pick it up every day. And I know there's lots of speakers and lots of people who want to give mommy's grace and say, oh, I understand that you are sleep deprived and you have all these kids all over you all the time. But I got to tell you, ladies, if you have time for Facebook, if you have time for Pinterest, if you have time to open your email, you have time to spend in God's word. What you need to ditch is the perfectionism. It's not going to look like what it looked like pre-kids. It may not be where you are at, you are hour upon hour with your Bible open and the birds are singing and the lights come down and it's, ah, 
oh, really what will happen is that you decide to get up early and then all of your children decide, you know what, let's wake up at 5 a.m. with mommy because that's awesome after they've been sleeping in till uh, 8. That happens and we do just have to bless it. it. It will look different. But just because it's difficult, we need to push past. Being a mother, you need to be in the word even more. Otherwise, you will miss it. You will miss it completely. Okay, so back to Sarah and Abraham. Um, they have, they're not able to have kids. God promises them a son. It's painful. They go off on their own ways. They're self-reliant. And then finally comes along Isaac, the promised one. And Isaac, and, there, and from Isaac springs forth an entire nation. So many people that there's more... That you more than the stars, more than than we can count. It's so many, and so there's so much opportunity in your home. It is a legacy. It is a it is um, yeah. It's a heritage. This is what you should be pouring into and building into. And it's hard, and we get lost in that. And so there is a battle out there as what we have in our homes. These little ones. You're reaping and sowing into eternity. Those dishes that you do, you won't remember that. Um, that ministry that you served in, they won't remember that. They won't, won't remember, um, somebody won't remember when you're dead that you um, were home mom every single year for your kids um, or, or all those things that you do, or that you were the best soccer mom ever. But what you pour into and invest into your kid, if you focus on the right things, that will breathe life into generations and generations, and generations, and generations. And there is an evil one who wants to distract you, who wants to keep you focused on the wood and the earthenware. And here's the thing, okay? So we have this great blessing, this great gift. All humanity passes through us, our home, to motherhood. And we forget and we think, oh, I'm just mom. I'm just the human pacifier. I'm just the woman who has to clean up your messes. I'm just the one who you rub your snot on. But we're not. All of humanity passes through our doors and we have to catch hold of that. All of it goes through our homes. We hold in our arms, come out of our wombs. It's huge. It's a huge task to behold. And so Satan wants to distort that. And really our culture wants to distort that as well. We live in a culture where it's fast food. We want to microwave it. It has to be instant. Come on, iPhone, you're not working fast enough. I want you to load real quick. We want it easy and we want it quick. And we have come up with ways to cut corners and shorten things and make weight come off quicker. And um, we can click one click Amazon. It can come to our door, which is awesome, by the way. I love that. That is embracing the blessing too of uh, modern technology. But we want things to be easy, and our culture is about we want to be comfortable, and we want it to be easy, and we have eaten the big fat lie that parenting should be easy. And half of our battle women is that we believe that. And so on hard days when our kids are melting down, are tantruming, and we are sitting at the kitchen sink, and you're thinking, I already did this three times a day. This is the third time, and it's just monotonous, and it's mundane. We, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay. Well, that's what happens when you don't have enough sleep and you have too much coffee. Um, oh, yeah. Easy. We <laughs> See, this should be easy. I should be able to remember. Thinking should be easy, but really, as all mothers know, that thinking is no longer easy. It is a chore and is it a task. 
Uh, We buy the lie that parenting should be easy, and it's not easy. It's difficult. We are raising humanity. We are raising the next generation. And so it is going to be difficult, and it is going to be hard. And we don't have to freak out from work. Work was there from the beginning of time. God gave Adam work. Work is not hard. We need to embrace work is not bad for us. Work is good for us. Idle hands are, are cause all kinds of sin, but work can be good. And parenting is work and it is the best kind of work. It is hard work. But all of you who know, who have accomplished a goal or really strove to either run a marathon or you've worked really hard at a project or you've gone through school and gotten that diploma or taken that final and gotten a anything worthwhile requires work and this is one of the most worthwhile things and so it's going to take work maybe write it on your your window this is not supposed to be easy it's not it's hard and the things that I say I don't want to discount what you're going through I don't want to discount the difficulty because it is hard and we need to come alongside each other instead of trying to beat each other down with well you should breastfeed you should bottle feed you should hang your kid up from the ceiling you should let them sleep at your toes you should put them in this bassinet you should hang them from this baby carrier there's just so much that we do to ourselves as women and as parents we instead we should be spurring each other on and say Man, I know it's hard. How can I be praying for you? We should be safe people when you say, you know what? My kid just said the F-bomb towards me because of the rule that I gave or in their little toddler way did that. We should be able to say, you know, I'm so discouraged. My kid just flipped me off in their toddler way. And, and somebody can come alongside and say, well, are you parenting him this way? Did you spank him? Did you um, lash him with, I don't know, whatever. Did you take away TV for a year? Instead, we should be coming along. I'm sorry, I get it. It's hard. It's so hard. But it is so, so worth it. And I am so not going by this. So here we go. Okay. Um, so we have be- believed the lie that things are easy. And what I want to challenge y'all is to shift your perspective just a little bit as we encounter those difficulties because that will help us just a whole lot as we want to complain and whine about how difficulty parenting it it is don't get me wrong it is but there are things that we can look towards that kind of change it so when we're sitting there and we have spent 30 minutes on cooking dinner and only you and your husband will eat what you've made because your kids killed your children i made the noise sunday because your children are so entitled and they just want to eat at Chili's for the night and you're not willing to take them there and you just want to wring their little ungrateful necks, you can remember, God, I thank you that my kid isn't starving so much that they are scarfing this food down. That they're not scared that this is going to be their only meal this week. Now that doesn't negate the fact, yes, we need to work on that entitlement. And yes, we, we do, you do need to set things up in your home that will work for your family and that will honor your husbands and that will honor God. But as we come across these day-to-day things, as we're throwing up because we're pregnant with another little blessing and we're so exhausted and our other kids, mommy, mommy, let's play. You're like, mommy is dying because she's cooking one of your siblings. And we want to grumble and complain about that. We need to remember our friends who is pregnant and who's afraid that she may not be able to keep that baby. We need to think about our friends who would love to experience what it's like to have morning sickness, to know what it's like to go through pregnancy insomnia, 
There are others who don't get to experience that. And that doesn't mean that it's not difficult, but we can give thanks in that difficulty. So I'm not saying let's be Pollyanna. Oh, everything's great all the time. It's always great. I love to be pregnant. It's oh, it's awesome. And my kid who just threw up. Oh, isn't he the cutest little thing ever? That's so cute. I'm not saying do that. Be real that it is difficult and that it is a struggle and that it is hard. But also use that difficulty to fuel you to, but wait, God, this is difficult and I need your help day to day, every minute, every hour. But I thank you, God, that I do feel sick because that means that this, this baby in my womb is, is alive and that we get to meet this baby hopefully at the end of nine months. God, I thank you for this child who I want to wring his neck because I didn't get him the purple lollipop instead of the red lollipop that I gave him. You know, and his ungratefulness. God, help me. Help that point me to when I'm ungrateful. When I complain because I didn't get exactly what I wanted, when I complain because traffic is taking so long, help me, God. So in that, I just want to challenge you to shift your perspective on how we view that difficulty. Don't pretend that it's not there. But when you are struggling... If you have that opportunity to take that pause, God, what can I give thanks for in that moment? And if you do that, you will diffuse so much of what Satan wants to do in our lives. Okay, so children, they are not easy. They are a daily sanctification. And some children are more sanctifying than others. They truly are. One of my children, if they were all like him, because he his struggle is people-pleasing. Man, why can't all my children struggle with people-pleasing? Mommy, what can I do for you today? What can I pick up, Mommy? I love you, Mommy. You're the most beautiful Mommy ever. He's just, he's so sweet. He's got his moments for sure. But if they were all like that, and they all listened and obeyed, you know, typically, you know, for the most part. It's not that he's perfect by any means. I would be the most prideful woman on the face of the earth. But they're not. Like, then there's little Miss Prideful and little Miss Com- Mr. Complain about everything. And they all have their strengths and their weaknesses, and it can all be satis- uh, uh, sanctifying. And all of them, they struggle with something that I struggle with as well. So it's just, like, intensified. So it's my sin all day long and six bodies going, da-da-da-da-da-da. How are you going to work through this? And it's the same thing with you guys. When we discipline and as we're working and moving with our children through the day, we have to say, okay, God, as I'm all bent out of shape because my kid did X, Y, and Z, or my kid is ungrateful, or they're throwing a fit, or they're doing whatever, where's my sin in this? How, how do I also reflect this? We just are older and we can do it in a better way. We throw fits. And we got to admit that we do. It, we may not throw our bodies on the ground. Some of us may. I've, I've actually seen adult people throw just raging all outfits. Like, oh, you look like my two-year-old. Except it's just really, that's not really cute. But we do it internally. And the same sin that they struggle with, we do as well. So it shouldn't be shocked or surprised that they want to do their own thing or that they struggle with X, Y, and Z because we do the same thing. And part of that difficulty in that rub is how God sanctifies us. I'm not the same person I was with my daughter at first, and I could wallow in the shame and guilt of my first one, how I don't parent in the same way, or I can just thank you, God, that I'm not the same parent that I was. I'm going to parent number six, totally different than I'm going to parent number one because of the sanctification process that he's brought us through. And that's why God gives us babies. He is sanctifying us in the process. We're going to mess up and 
you know, make big mistakes, little mistakes. We're going to have little and great victories along the way, but we should be up and to the right. Um, so, and part of that sanctification is selfishness. I think that's one of the things why we view children as a burden because it highlights our selfishness. I mean, I thought marriage, I realized how selfish I was when I got married, but then I started having kids and I said, oh, no, 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 no. I had no clue because a kid can't give back even the way that a husband can. A kid can't have that conversation with you and it is all about them. They're so egocentric. You know, somebody, um, some mommies will say, oh, but I get paid with hugs and kisses. Come on. When you have had a hard day with your kid, I don't want your hugs and kisses. I want you to go to bed, like right now. I wanted you to go to bed at 3 p.m. and not wake up until 3 p.m. the next day. You know, the hugs and kisses, oh, the hugs and kisses. I do adore my kids' hugs and kisses, but sometimes that is just not enough. And we are selfish, and I just want my kids to serve me. I want, you, I want them to do what I say. I want them to rub my feet. I want them, oh, yes, mommy, whatever you say. Like one of my kids, whatever you say, mommy, I'll do that, mommy. And we want that, but really we're, we're selfish. And parenting highlights that selfish. And we want comfort and ease. And parenting is the opposite from comfort and ease. And so we have a skewed view of parenting. Either we view kids as a burden And some of us will have the extra battle of they grew up in a home where they were taught and it was modeled that children are a burden because you were were treated as a burden. And so that's an extra hurdle that you'll have to jump through. Sometimes when I'm not enjoying my kids, I have to just stop and think, "Why, why am I upset about this? And it's just because I've bought the lie that kids are a burden. And that's all that it is, that kids shouldn't be enjoyable. So we need... We need to stop sometimes and pause. Am I just walking out that lie? There's really, they're not really doing anything all that wrong. I just, I just believe that lie. I believe that I'm a burden. And so there, therefore my kids must also be a burden. Um, okay. Do-do-do-do when you off-road. It's hard to know where you're at. Okay. Um. So children as a burden, that's what our society says. So um, it brings out our selfishness. It brings to light our idol of comfort and ease. We really want to go through life um, in comfort and ease. And there's just some great, if you're struggling with that, Philippians is just a fantastic book to camp in. Um, And it's easy as we want to bow down to our idol of comfort and ease. I was thinking... Um, over the past couple months, my littlest Lily, like sometimes I can just be holding her and just think she is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen and just so full of gratitude. God, thank you so much for this baby, for this gift, for this child. But fast forward in the nighttime when she's not sleeping well and I can be, God, why did you give me this child? I just want to sleep. God, I just want to sleep and just curse her. So with the same mouth that I used to bless God for this blessing, I want to turn around and curse him for the inconvenience and that I can't get what I want and what I need. And we've got to be aware of that. So with the blessing also comes the hardship. And where we need to, and we see that in our lives, is know that we need to grow and learning how to give joy in all circumstances, whether in the fun at an ice cream shop or in the hardship of a tantrum in the middle of a grocery store. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. 
Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice, and it's so hard. And sometimes we need to be reminded, why should I give thanks and rejoice in this moment as a mom when it's really kicking my tail? But we need to stop and give pause and rejoice. I know what it is to be in need. You, ladies, know what it means to be in need. To need a date night. To need just five minutes of privacy. To, know, to need sleep. To need to get another shirt because all of your shirts have spit-up stains or holes on them. To need a different pair of pants other than yoga pants. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have in plenty or life before kids. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Philippians four twelve through 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And that is one of the most abused verses. I can be a cheerleader for the Cowboys because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's not what that, vo- that verse is saying. It's saying... I can give thanks in the sanctification and in the hardship and in the good times because I can do all of this through Christ who strengthens me. When my arms are weary and I am so in need of sleep and I'm so exhausted, I can lean into you, Lord, and you will give me strength so that I can give praise and thanks even in this moment because I can do all things through you who strengthens me. I can get up in the morning when I've only had two hours of sleep and I can lean into you and I can take care of these little minions that you've given me, God, because you will strengthen me. And I have to attest that on those days when I really have no sleep, it's been maybe two or three hours, those are the days that I do the best. It's because I know that I can't do it on my own. And so I walk with him. I'm willing to walk with him. God, I need your help. I need your strength. I cannot do this. It's on the days that we, oh, I, I might have gotten six hours of sleep tonight. You know, the baby slept through the night. No sick kids came. Nobody had a night terror. Nobody peed in their bed. I slept well tonight. And so I, I got this, Lord. I got this. And those are the days that you might find yourself yelling at your kids, losing your temper, hiding in the bathroom. Because we're not leaning into him. The one who can give you strength. The only one who can give you strength like that. Not even chocolate can give you strength like that. Although I try to get strength from chocolate. Okay, the other thing that can make your children seem like a burden is trying to control them versus training them. And I can be so guilty of that. I just want you to do what I, want, what I say. I have told my kids that. I wouldn't be so grumpy with you and be raising my temper if you would just do what I told you to do. If you would just cooperate with me, then I wouldn't be um, grumpy mommy. And in those moments, I realize I don't care about your heart. What I'm saying is I just want you to be my robot. I just want you to do what I say so I can go on with my day. I'm not concerned about training your heart. I don't want to stop and pause and love you and care about you. I just want to control them. And it is, and it is so hard. 
Because you have to say the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And you just want to throw up because I just told you not to do that 1,027 times. And now I'm telling you to do that again. Don't hit your sister. We don't hit. We use our happy hands or nice hands or whatever. I just told you that five seconds ago. Just do what I say. So we get frustrated. Um, Allison, or Gator and I, are in this um, workout program. And one of the things is you're supposed to do as many reps as you possibly can, which means how many times can you torture yourself in the span of, you know, I don't know, six minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. We're going to do this. And somebody asks, well, what about form? Aren't we supposed to be working out? Aren't we supposed to be focusing on our form, like doing the proper squat? We want to do it properly so we don't injure ourselves. And the trainer said, well, as your body gets fatigued, eventually the form looks a little bit different, different, right? And so I had a really good point to that. And um, so I think my point in that is as we repeat ourselves over and over and over and over and over, as we have to, because they're little kids and they're going to forget, just like the Israelites, if you read through the Old Testament, God told them lots of things and they forgot over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And they were adults and we forget things over and over and over and over and over again and have to be reminded. So our children will, those reps get hard and we, so we get sloppy. So our squats start being like this instead of what they're supposed to look like because you become weary and know that he knows that you're weary. And so in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, Paul addresses this, but he, he, he's um, talking about people um, sharing each other's burdens. And so he comes and says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and you have lots of opportunity in your home, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, or especially to those who belong in your family. As you do reps over and over, and you're training and training and training and trying to train their heart, and it just feels like, this is never going to take root, God. This is, I'm just so tired. I just want them to do what I say and do it now. We have to come back and remember that if we do the exercise the wrong way, there will be hurt involved. There will be hurt in our lives. There will be pain, pain in our lives and in, in their lives. So we need to remember, as I want to beat you, that and I, I think these things, so please know that I do not embrace the blessing the way that I should do all the time. Um, let us not grow weary. God, help me not to grow weary. God, help me to lean into your strength today because really all I want to do is control these kids. I want them to do what I say, and I don't really care about their heart. So help me, Lord. Today, as I tell them the same thing over and over, give me the strength. Help me to have the proper form. Help me to have self-control so that I would care about their heart and train them versus trying to control them. Because we can do behavior modification on our kids. We, We really can. And we can train dogs and monkeys and cats and rats to do things. We can train our kids. But who cares if we train them to do a specific task if their heart is not affected? Who cares? Who cares if they do what you want them to do while they're in your home, but as soon as they're gone, they don't do the right thing. 
That happens when we just try to control them, when we're not investing in training their heart. And I will tell you what, sisters, it is a lot more exhausting to try to train their heart than to try to get the results that you want. Remember that, and he will go with you and go before you. Okay, here's the other caveat. So God says children are a blessing. The world says children are a burden, or they swing to the other side of the spectrum and children are an idol. And I'll just touch on that briefly. Some of us are not embracing the blessing because we have put our children on a pedestal. We have made them the gold and silver idols that live and breathe in our homes. And let me tell you what, our children make horrible gods because they're selfish little beings and they will disappoint you and they don't care that you gave them a thousand kisses and all the work that you poured into making Easter special for them or all that you went through to make their birthday the best birthday on the face of the planet, all the sleep that you've lost, all the hours of labor that you went through. They don't care about that. They're useless idols. If you put first things first and put God first and out of that, God, I'm going to enjoy my kids. That's the right perspective. But when we we put our kids before God and we put our kids before our husbands, things just get so skewed and so marred and you will become angry because because your kids, they're not going to be a source of joy or strength or happiness. And it may happen for a season, but then you're just going to run up against things. So the world says that children are a burden and that children, um, that they should be your everything. And both of them are so wrong. So as a body of believers and women who are pressing hard to follow God, we've got to remember that the world is watching us. They are watching how we respond to our kids. They're watching what we put on Facebook your high school friends that you've friended who don't know the Lord, they're watching when you put, my kids are so crazy, I need to drink a cup bottle of wine tonight. They're watching that. I do have a friend who lives up in Portland, which Portland is awesome. Um, But just time and time again, like, I love God, I love God, my children are great, my children are great, but every day I'm gonna post about how they've done something that makes me wanna go and need wine. Do we need wine? Do we need chocolate? Do we really need to go get that pedicure? Or do what we really need is Jesus. And that seems like a total Jesus juke. So I'll get to self-care later. You know, like, girl, you don't need that wine. You just need Jesus. Or, you know, as they're telling you, they've had a hard day. Well, sister, what you really need is some Jesus and everything will be happy. You know, there is something to that. But, the, I mean, that's not going to do anybody any good. But um, <laughs> here we go. Um, Hebrews 12 One through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners and from believers at time so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we are surrounded by a cloud of great witnesses. They are in our homes, they are in our families, and they're all around us. 
And we're to be set apart. We are to be a holy people. We should look different from the rest of the world who says our children need to be our everything or our children are a burden. And that doesn't mean, again, that we're Pollyanna and we say that every single moment of parenting and motherhood is the most wonderful thing ever. But to say it is so difficult and yet my God is so great that he is willing to walk with it, walk with me every step of the way. Um, and I want to remind you, ladies, that there is an adversary out there. As you girls, as, as you mothers have this, these babes that are created in the very image of God, and they bring the Lord so much joy, like each of you bring him so much joy and gladness and happiness. You are, you are his daughter, and he loves us very much. That the thief wants to come in and he wants to distort everything, which is why the burden, enter the burden, enter making our kids idols. He wants to tangle us up and he wants to trip us up. So we need to know who really our enemy is. And that is the thief. And John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when we read what God says about parenting and we read about who God is and who he says that we are and who our children are, it will be easier to drown out the lies of the enemy. And he's out there trying to make motherhood as awful as he possibly can. He just is because he hates you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Your fellow mother is undergoing the same kind of sufferings that you are going to go through today, ladies. And that's 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. So there is an enemy and an adversary and we need to be praying for each other. Because there really is somebody out there trying to take you out, trying to make your children believe that they are a burden. They're trying to lie to you that says... Everything hinges on you and how you treat your kids, on whether or not you're the perfect mother or not, whether or not you make the perfect cupcakes or have the perfect party for them. Everything hinges on you because that's not true. Um, And before I move on, I want to come back to what is the sin that entangles us in motherhood. But also I want to make sure that I have time because I probably won't have time for much else is you need to know yourself. One of the keys to enjoyment in motherhood is to know yourself. And some of that is self-care. And a lot of us are really bad about doing self-care. We think that we have to give it all up for our kids and that we can never have time for ourselves. Um, and I don't want you to go home and say, the speaker today at the nest said, I get to spend a weekend at the spa because I need some self-care. Um, But if your husband wants to do that, it's kind of awesome. And it would bless you. Bless your socks off. Husbands, listen to this. A weekend at the spa would bless your wives and help her become a better mother. That would be great. Um, So the difference between self-care, there's a difference between self-care and me time. So me time, you feel entitled to it. I have watched your minions all day long and you got to go eat lunch with people from work and you didn't have people all up in your business. You got to sit in your office and do whatever tasks you wanted from A to B 
and you had your own quiet space and your kids destroyed everything that I tried to do today. I'm out of here. I need me time. It's all about me, 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 me. I need this me time. And we do, we do need time away from our kids and it, that does help us become a different mother, but it's realizing in a different way. It's not wanting to take it. It's just realizing wisdom says I'm running on fumes right now. You know, I've been stuck in the house with my kids all week because we've had the plague the seventh plague from Egypt has hit my house and I'm shut in and I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert and I just need some time to be able to breathe and to think. I need my girlfriends, I need us to be able to talk about God and um, about, I don't know, whatever we talk about that fills up my tank. I need to do that to fill up my tank and to rejuvenate. And for some of us, the introverts, I just need to go to Starbucks and just listen to the silence, you know, for some of us. And, and we need to know ourselves enough to know, I, hey, I, I, I need a timeout here. Mommy needs a timeout. And we should not feel guilt and shame about that. It's just wisdom. Wisdom says when your tank is empty that you need to find out what's going to fill you up. And really, I would urge you, ladies, before you run to anything else, is to fill your, your tank up with God. Um, sometimes we don't, and just like I said, we should spend that time in God's word, and it may be on your phone while you're nursing a baby, which has been often the last several years with me, just um, a Bible app on my phone as I'm nursing the baby. But sometimes we just need to be still. The daily diverting is not enough. We need to withdraw a little bit with God, and we need him to, to pour into us. Um, but you know what you need if it's a visit to the doctor. Some of us just need to eat. You just need to eat lunch. I know that you're sick of chicken nuggets and PB&Js, but you need to eat. And I'm, this, I'm preaching to the choir right now, people, because um, I get hangry a lot because I'm taking care of my kids and I just haven't eaten. And then I want to eat them because I'm ang- hangry. And that hasn't done anything. I've just been foolish. I haven't been taking care of myself. And Millie has a great Millieism. You got to put the oxygen mask on yourselves first, sister. You just do. You've got to take care of yourself, and that's not selfish. And so I really wanted to go to First Kings here um, and just talk about the woman. And you know what? I might have a little bit more time. First um, Kings seventeen. It's seven through something. 10, 16 maybe. Um, And it's just when Elijah, God tells Elijah to go to a widow who is in the process of picking up sticks. And the drought has hit because Elijah has prayed for no rain because the Israelites have been just so wicked and gone their own way. And she's picking up sticks and God tells him, go to this woman and I will provide for you. And she's getting ready to prepare her last meal because she's she's running out of oil and flour. It says, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zephyrphoph in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, where he came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And so right here, a little water in a jar is a big deal because there's been a drought. As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. 
Now notice here, she said, for myself and my son. It wasn't, I'm going to make a meal for my son. I am going to make a meal for myself and my son. This woman has wisdom in knowing if we're going to go through this hard time and I have to watch my son die, we need to be in this together. I need some of this last nourishment too. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. And so on this, even the woman, she has limited resources. And every day, ladies, you have a limited amount of energy, time. There's only so many hours of the day. You're kind of like that widow. God's not going to give you so much provision that you can run without him. God had that woman in the place where she had her in the, for the, the, the reason so that you, as you pour it out, you have to trust and rely that I'm going to fill up just enough for the next day. But provide for yourself. Provide for yourself in if there is a quiet moment. Your kids are watching, I don't know, whatever they watch. Curious George or... Um, monkey man, I don't know, whatever they're watching, or they're sleeping, and you look around your house, and the laundry is about to explode, and your dishes are coming out of the sink, and you need to unload the dishwasher so that you can load up the dishes that are in the sink, and you have a thousand emails that you need to do. Trust that if you make the right choice, if you're obedient with your time, and you are willing to offer that up, this lady offered up her last oil and her last flower for this man that she didn't even know. If God is saying, trust me, offer up this time to me, sit at my feet, I will give you strength. I will make that, that time seem like the flour and the oil. I will make it multiply and expand. If you get off of your own program and you trust me, and I'm asking you to do this, your neighbor shows up at the door when you're trying to get out of the house and she's crying if you trust that if you do the right thing that I will provide for you every single day. And I'm not going to provide in abundance because I love you too much. Because I know you, you are a stiff-necked people and you want to be self-reliant. And if I give you too much abundance, you're going to run ahead of me. And yet some of us, like myself, want to continue on in self-reliance. We don't get it. No, God, I want all this energy. And he's saying, no, I know that you're weary. I know that you're tired. I know that you only have so many hours of the day and your to-do list is is so long. Offer that to me. Give me your flour and your oil. Pour it all out day after day and I will provide for you day after day. But in that pouring out, some of you ladies, you pour it all out, but you're pouring it out on your own and you can't refill and replenish that oil and that flour by yourself. So you're pouring it all out and you're forgetting to eat. Don't forget to eat because you'll miss out and parenting will be a whip and it will be a drudgery and you'll kick and scream the entire way and it'll be awful. Um, Some of you ladies, 
you need to trust the Lord more and you need to pour it all out. He's beckoning you. Elijah has shown up and said, will you please make me a little bit of bread? Your kids are there. Mommy, will you just give me that little bit of bread or whatever the Lord has you. God is saying, just give me your time. And you're saying, no, 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 no. My to-do list, the things that I have to do, these other things are so important. Or I, I need this time on Facebook right now. Otherwise, I just, I cannot handle the day. Some of us are not pouring it out and we are missing the miracle. When we walk out in obedience and we pour it all out and we're obedient, obedient and we walk with him, we get to see miraculous things happen. We get to see children's hearts change. We get to see us, when we are struggling so much, God show up in a way that doesn't even make sense. Checks that come in the mail when we are struggling financially. Peace that surpasses all understanding. And there will be trials, things that are way too big for you to handle. And he wants to be in it with you. He wants to give you that daily provision. And my question to you is, are you going to trust him enough to pour it all out? But while remembering that pouring it all out does not mean neglecting self-care because a wise woman puts the oxygen mask on herself and then her children and those around her. Okay, I think I have like five seconds left. What time can I go to, Allison? I'm good? Okay. So going back to Hebrews 12 and remembering the cloud of great witnesses and the sin that so easily entangles. Satan is like throwing sin bombs and temptation our way. He's wanting to trip us up in motherhood because it is such an important role. If you don't, your role is important. When Satan wants to whisper in your ear that this does not matter, what I'm doing today does not matter, making all these PB&Js does not matter, doing these dishes do not matter, it matters for an eternity. It may seem temporal at the time, but the time that you're investing in your kids and preparing a home for them and a loving, nurturing spot, it matters. And Satan is going to say, oh, but if I was able to do this over here, that would have more impact. Or if I could get this task done over here, that would have much more value. And going back to the wood and the earthenware, that's all that is. Get rid of that and remember that your job is of utmost importance. It truly is. And if you, if you don't believe me, read through 1 Kings and 2 Kings and you will see how many times the mom is mentioned in these kings for better or worse. She's in there. She was an Ammonite. She was a sinner. She followed all of this idolatry. And guess what? Her son did the same thing. Surprise, surprise. Or... His mother was an Israelite who was obedient to the Lord and walked in his ways. And surprise, surprise, he did the same thing and had impact. So your role is important. They're watching what you're doing. And these are the things that can, can um, trip us up. Comparison is one of those things. We compare everything from our shoes to our bodies to our kids to our, how many words is... Is your 12-month-old saying, mine is only saying three? Well, mine is saying 137. And we care about that. Who cares? Uh, My kid is in uh, the gifted and talented. My kid is in this. My kid can do this or that. Or I parent this way. You parent that way. When we compare insecurity and pride, which are the same thing, they're married in this 
gross, incestuous relationship, pride and insecurity. It's disgusting. When we compare, we're going to lean towards either pride, thinking that we are awesome, we have got it together, we're awesome, which leads to self-reliance, which is never a good place, or we're going to end up being insecure, and we're going to wallow in shame and guilt, which the Lord never intended us to do. That's not why he died on the cross. He wants to convict us and have us turn towards him. See, this is your sin over here. This is why it's wrong. I want you. I love you. I don't want to be you to be in bondage. Come with me. He's not saying, la, 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 this is all your sin. La, 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 you're a horrible person. You did this wrong as a mother. That's, that's not God. And that's why he died on the cross to give us freedom so that we would walk with him. So comparison. So some of us need to delete our Facebook accounts is what we need to do. And I... I I'm a firm believer, and I do love Facebook, and I am probably part of the problem. Yeah, I am, unfortunately. Um, that Facebook is destroying motherhood. We get a window into somebody else's lives, right? And so here is what we put. This is what we see on Facebook. <laughs> These are the pictures that we see. Oh, my daughter just got a honor roll. My daughter just helped out a friend in need. Look at this great picture. She's so beautiful. Or we just bake cookies. So there's a picture of you and your kids baking. And I look at that picture and think, I hate baking with my kids. That is like torture to me. Put me in the kitchen with my kids and I want to poke out my own eyes because they are just into everything. It's stressful. I hate it. And yet this mom is really enjoying that. Look at her picture. She loves it. She had the best time. She's memory making with her kids and I'm not memory making with my kids and I'm a horrible, awful mother. And what's wrong with me that I don't like to bake with my kids? And that's where we can go. We look at this. This is what people show on Facebook and on Pinterest. They don't show their Pinterest fails. Y'all have seen all those pictures. Like, this is the picture of Pinterest, and then there's the fails that are just so, like, that's what my Pinterest looks like. And then, and this is reality. So this is Facebook, and then this is, this is reality, right? This is what 99.9% of our days look like is this. You know, we're in the trenches. We're battling in the mud and it's ugly and we've got snot on us and we're still in our jammies and we're saying, kids, get your clothes on before your daddy gets home. He's coming home in 15 minutes. I never do that, sweetheart. Never, ever. This is reality. Our kids are covered in mud and sin and it's hard. And we're slugging it out, and yet Facebook gives us this snapshot. It's like this tranquil picture at the beach. We're like, oh, I wish I had a beach vacation. If I had a beach vacation, my life would be so much better, and my kids would be fulfilled, and I would be a better mother. But what you don't see on those pictures of, like, the sun setting over the beach is how much the mom and dad grumbled about the sand in the car and how bratty the kids were and really how they all wanted to kill each other. All we see is that snap, snapshot of the serene and tranquil. So we've, we've got to stop comparing. When you see your friends out and about, you're seeing their best. Nobody is like that with their kids 100% of the time. And if you are, I would like to meet you. And I want to know your secrets right? The yucky and the dirty comes out when we're at home and there's nobody there to kind of sharpen us because we know nobody's going to be there to say, dude, you just yelled at your kid and they hardly did anything. You're hangry. You need to go eat. 
Those people aren't there. So stop judging people's outside with your inside. And if you're prideful and thinking, I got it together, I would be weary because you might end up with six kids. No, and they are a blessing. I'm just kidding. I'm so glad I have six kids. I really am. I love them. And we will, yes, we will have more if the Lord will bless us with more because they're awesome. And I am so prideful. Um, or he'll just make your kid that is just so great. They will. Really? You think you got this figured out? Boom! In her attitude or whatever. I know that the kid that I think is so easy now, there's something coming probably. Um, so don't get trapped in the pride and, in, and insecurity. Perfectionism, ditch it. Nothing destroys perfectionism quite like having your children. Just let go of it. Be okay with good. This is good enough. You know, for holidays, for birthdays, for day-to-day life, for whatever, you're not going to have perfect kids. They're just not going to be perfect. And you're not going to be perfect. If you were going to be perfect, if there was any chance of us reaching perfection, then Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. So just stop. And remember this, Isaiah 64, 6, if you're still striving for that, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We're all going to get caught up in sin. Perfectionism is bondage. And if you have that, you need to realize it and you need to seriously sit down before the Lord and say, God, how has my perfectionism hindered my kids, my relationship with my husband, us, and my enjoyments of what you've blessed me with? Next one, shame and guilt. It is finished. I heard a great sermon by Trulian Zizek, uh, whoever is the um, great-grandkid of Billy Graham. He's great. I like him. And he did this great, great sermon on... Um, on it is finished. And I wish I could link that for y'all so that y'all could listen to it because it's so freeing of, it's finished. Go out there and mother like a rock star as best as you can. Be all in, pour it all out. And you know what? You're, hey, let it all out there. Let people know what you're doing. And you know what? You will probably trip and fall and make big mistakes along the way. But if you're walking with him, it is finished. You're gonna mess up. Things are gonna happen. You can't protect your kids 100% of the time. And that's not your goal. Your goal is to be faithful. To be faithful what God sets on your plate day to day with your kids. And to train them and to sharpen them and to walk alongside them and teach them about him. It is finished. Don't let Satan throw stuff up in your face. If your kid has been screaming for a week and you've been putting off going to the doctor because, oh, it's just probably teething. And you go in and realize they have a raging ear infection. Bummer. God will use that for his, his good plan. You know, I wish you would have taken him. You can say, I wish I would have taken you in early, but pain, it produces perseverance and it will produce righteous character in you. Really? How are we viewing things? If we shift our perspective, you know what? Mommy made a mistake. I'm going to ask for your forgiveness and you're going to realize that I am imperfect. And that might even relieve you of the shame and guilt that you're feeling because you are trying so hard, little girl are so hard, little boy, to be perfect like mommy. Or you think that you're the only one who struggles, and mommy struggles too. Mommy struggles with anger. Mommy struggles with self-control. Mommy struggles with blah, blah, blah. So ditch the guilt and shame and just live under the banner. Remember, let it be Easter every day. It is finished. 
There's nothing that you can do that's going to disqualify you, that's going to mess up your kids so bad. He knew it before he created the world, everything that you would do, every mistake that you would make, and yet he still chose to bless you with that kid because he knows I can use everything that was done to that child, everything that child experienced, everything that you experienced, everything. I can use everything to my glory. It is finished. It is done. It's not going to disqualify you. It's not going to disqualify them. It is finished. But now I'm really losing on time here. Okay, then y'all are probably hearing me talk. But um, another is just approval of others. Sometimes it's your own mom and dad that you're trying to get approval of. You feel God calling you this way, and they're just like, well, that's not how we raised you. But if God is calling you to raise your kid a certain way, then you need, you need to be obedient and you need to cry out to the Lord, God, this person, this person doesn't think what I'm doing is the right way. And this happens even in community groups. You know, you're in a group of all girls and you are the only one with a boy and he's absolutely crazy. He's, you know, there's a spectrum of boys, you know, just more laid back and chill to insane, absolutely insane and sanctifying. This is like the maximum sanctification. You have maximum sanctification, child, because you've been prideful. I'm kidding. (laughs) You have maximum sanctification, child, and then there's like this, you're sitting in a play group, and there's all these sweet little girls just sitting there, and your kid is the one picking up things and pretending it's a knife, and la, 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 and you're afraid what other people are going to think. You need to be faithful to train up that child. But ultimately, there is so much nurture, uh, there's so much nature in there too. Like half of how our kids turn out is just who God wired them to be. And we can't always, we want to take credit for their good and we want to take credit for our bad, but really, a lot of that is up to them. You know, we can point them in the right way, but we can't change their hearts and make them a certain way. If you've got an all-boy boy and you're so concerned about what other people are going to think, then you're not enjoying who God created him to be. Those all-boy boys, they're the ones that are strong and courageous. And if you read through the Old Testament, it is repeated over and over. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You are raising the Caleb's. You are raising the Joshua's. You are raising the Paul's. And it is sanctifying in the process. And not that your sweet little bundles of joy who are encouragers aren't going to be those great people either. We are the body of Christ and we're all different. Stop seeking other people's approval. God has you and your family on a path. Stop wanting everybody to say, good job. Go to God. If If you're wondering about your parenting or if you're wondering about your relationship with your husband or anything in your life, go to him and ask him. Don't ask others. You can later because our hearts are deceitful, but go to him first. And sometimes people who are great believers will tell us stuff that is not, that doesn't line up with here. And in the end, we need to do what God has called us to do. And if it's not in here and we're saying God called us, then we we need to make sure that we're uh, not listening to the wrong thing. Uh, fear and worry. We I might do, I think we're doing a topic on fear and worry next year, and it, it will be fantastic because I think fear and worry and anxiety cripple a lot of us as mothers. It just does. Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
peace that surpasses all understanding. If you watch anything in the news and you see anything in the culture that's going, that's going on, it is hard not to get fearful. What is it going to look like for my kid? You can't even let them play outside. Or at least we fear that. Can, we, can I let my kid play outside? Or what if they get sick? What if this hot dog I gave them gives them leuke- you know, leukemia? What if, what if all these things that we do are either wrong or will lead to their death or will screw them up royally? We have to stop and lean on God's sovereignty. We can't, we can't take our kid out a day before the Lord has ordained it. And worrying and fear is not going to change what the Lord has planned for your children. Again, we have to bring it back to being faithful. And when we fear that icy fear gripping us, oh, my kid's been sick for a long time. Could it be the C word? My husband's home late. Did he get in an accident? When we fear that, when we are looking and waiting for the bottom to fall out, and ladies, I've got to be honest, I've, I have lived there we have to take those th- thoughts captive and hold them obedient to Christ and go, what if? What if that is what it is? Does that make you any different, God? Does that make you any less good? And you can't go there if you're not spending time with him. Okay, moving on. Focusing on the temporal. We sometimes as mamas get so focused on our to-do list, our to-do list. The never-ending laundry, the never-ending meal that needs to be made. You feed them, and then they're hungry again, five seconds later. And I just want my kids to be snakes. Can we just eat once a month, please? That would be so much better. That would alleviate so much. And can we never never bathe, which we don't. So um, I'm speaking truth. Um, we focus on the temporal. Our, our to-do this, we get so wrapped up in busyness. And some of the things, some of our busyness is earthenware and it's wood, and we need to cut it off on our schedules. We are the master of our family calendar for the most part. We can't control our husband's work, but we can control what we do on a day-to-day basis with our kids and what we're doing. And a lot of times, I know for myself, and maybe not you, I get the most frustrated with my kids getting somewhere or getting from somewhere. Where are your shoes? Like, I got you all in one spot. We're at the door. Where are your shoes? Where's your pants? Put your pants on. You know, and so I get to, I get to choose that. Am I going to have margin in my day so that I'm not biting my kids' head off to just get into our ginormous van? Like, let, let's go. We focus on the temporal. Or our son or our daughter, they're little and they're, Mommy, will you make me a paper airplane? Or, Mommy, will you play Barbies with me? Or, My Little Pony, will you, can I cuddle with you? Would you read me a book? And often it's, well, let me unload this dishwasher first. Or let me do this one task first. And then Mommy will come back. And how often do we not come back? Because our kid gets distracted. And, and sometimes they're like, oh, good, they went to go play with their brother. Or, oh, good, they went off to this and I don't have to do that. Who decided to stay home so that they could wash dishes? Who signed up to be a stay-at-home mother so they could do laundry? And that stuff does have to get done, but that shouldn't be our focus. And Satan wants us to focus on our to-do list. This laundry will never get done. This, these dishes will never get done. And they're never going to get done because as soon as you eat, there's going to be more dishes. And thank God that we have dirty dishes and running water. Thank you, Jesus, that we have clothes to wear. But it's not going to get done anyway, so you might as well enjoy your time. That kitchen that you're cleaning is just going to get dirty anyway. That living room that you are neglecting your child over and not playing and enjoying them is going to get dirty again anyway. 
So choose the best. Sometimes we have to do those things. It is part of the mundane. It is part of the toil. But choose the best thing. And sometimes we just need to ask God, God, what would you have me do right now? What would honor you the most? And when we're walking with him, we can do that. Um, One last thing, feelings of inadequacy and self-reliance. I think if you probably ask most of the mentor moms, we've all gone through a season, or they have, of, I don't, I don't know what to do with this kid. I don't know what I'm doing, Lord. I don't know how to do this. And we spiral on, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm about, am I doing it right? What's the right strategy? What's the right formula to get my kid to turn out this way? And there's not. And when you're feeling that inadequacy, that really is a beautiful thing. Because if you're feeling like, I can't do this, I can't do this alone, you can't be self-reliant. And so in those feelings of inadequacy, instead of spiraling, God, why did you give me these kids? And I've definitely said that. Why have you given me these kids and I'm pregnant and I'm, I can't even handle these kids that you already have given me? When you're in those moments, turn to him. He's saying, I, you don't have to do this alone. Again, I will walk with you. I'm with you. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made weak, is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, I turn to you, Lord. Or that's where we should turn. He's beckoning you to. And in that, I want to end on one last thing. I didn't even hit Psalm 127. I could go on forever because God's word is so rich. I want to go to Haggai, um, which, like, what? There's a, a book in the Bible that says Haggai. And I, I, I would encourage you to just spend time in that book. It's really sweet. Um, and basically, God, it's the remnant has returned back to Israel. King Cyrus has said, here, go rebuild the temple. And Um, the Israelites have come up against opposition. And so they have grown weary and they have abandoned their mission of rebuilding the temple. And they've gone to their houses. And as we know, as women, there's always something that we can fix on our house. Constantly, there's something to fix. And so they keep fixing their houses. And oh, now I need a new coffee table. Oh, and now I need, uh, this needs a paint, a new paint job because my kids have smeared all their fingerprints over on it. Um, And they're so focused on these temporal things, the temporal things of parenthood, which is so easy to do. Um, And this is, um, God says this to Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And I know that we've said that. God, it's not time to be still and quiet with you yet. This is not the time. I've got laundry to do. I've got other things to do. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet of Haggai. Is it a time for you for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and rebuild my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. 
Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. If you are not putting the Lord first... If you are not walking with him, if you are not abiding with him, nothing is going to satisfy you in parenting. Nothing will satisfy you. It will be temporal. You will miss out on the blessing. And did you hear what it says? He will purposely throw firebombs your way. You planted this harvest, but you will not reap enough. You have labored for this money, and it will not be enough. It will never be enough, and you will not be satisfied ever unless you are first drawing your satisfaction from the Lord. And this is what I want you to take home. I don't want you to dwell on, oh my gosh, I'm an anxious and fearful mother. I'm screwing up my kids. Oh my gosh, I need to be better at shame and guilt. I'm going to feel shame and guilt. It's about battling with shame and guilt. Oh my gosh, I'm horrible at comparison. And that person doesn't. I'm going to compare. Well, God knows what your hurts, habits, and hangups are. And he may lead you to a process to work through those. He wants you to work through those. And he's trying to sanctify you and you're on that journey with your husband and your kids and with him. He wants to walk with you. But if you neglect the house of the Lord, if you neglect your relationship with the Lord, everything else will fall short. And you will not find satisfaction in motherhood. And ladies, when we do, when we put first things first, when we invest in the silver and the gold things, you will find so much enjoyment in your kids even on the days when they are freaking out at the grocery store. You will be able to smile. You will find joy. You will find contentment. And it may not be every day because we turn aside to the left and the right often. But when we keep our eyes fixed on Christ and our relationship with him, you will find much contentment, even on the worst of days. Thank you all for listening to all my chatter.